Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Poetic Plonk. This is episode two. Now, I'd just like to say a big thank you to everyone who tuned into episode one. And also many thanks for giving me your feedback. Obviously, it's always nice to hear positive feedback, but more specifically, I do enjoy hearing the the feedback that helps us to improve the podcast because if I don't know where I should improve, then it can't really get much better for you guys. And I'm very certain that there is a lot of areas that can be improved. So keep on sending me your feedback, whether that's on Instagram or if you see me in the streets of Munich, feel free to come up to me and give me your honest opinion. Um, so yeah, without further ado, this is episode two, The Problem Solver. Now, as you will have realized, episode two is called The Problem Solver, but that's not actually the title of the poem that we'll be exploring today. I decided to call the episode The Problem Solver because we'll be exploring a poem that emphasizes an alternative solution that does often solve problems, but unfortunately it's one of those things that people overlook and don't necessarily consider, so it's very much an underdog. Now, very few people that I know have tried using this problem solver. Um, So it does very much link to the title of the poem, which is Alternative Anthem. And before we actually go into the poem and hear the poem itself, I think it's very important to consider the the background. Um, And by background, I mean the author himself, who is John Agard. Now, it's very important to give credit to John Agard, who has an immensely decorated and rich history within the within the British poetry community, for sure, but he's also well-known globally. Agard first moved to the UK in 1977, which in itself was a very tumultuous period. And in his first few years in the UK, he travelled to a variety of different schools to promote a better understanding of the Caribbean culture. Now, he did this because at this time... It was very much within the Windrush generation. Now, if you don't know what the Windrush generation is, I would very much recommend giving it a quick Google just to go into the the history, the context, and the effects that the Windrush generation had, not just in this time period, but it's, it's sort of barrel rolled into the art that is being released today. But I don't really want to to go into the background of the Windrush generation and what it meant at the time, because honestly, I, I won't be able to give it the, the respect it deserves, which is very much a 45 minute or an hour long podcast that explores all the different aspects of it. It's It's so complex that I can't give you a summary within two to five minutes of what it actually is. So back to Agard, and 16 years later, after his move to the UK, he was appointed as a poet in residence at the BBC, which, to be honest, I didn't realise actually existed as a job role at all. Now, 
he went on in his career very successful. He won a plethora of awards and he actually made a career traveling around the globe to perform his poetry, which as a poet would be the ultimate dream. And although we will be delving into a light-hearted poem today, I believe it's important to recognize and actually appreciate the impact that Agard has had on the Caribbean culture. And the effects of this can be seen in one of his most well-known poems titled Half Cast. This is a poem that is a dark comedic take on contemporary racial issues at that time that the Windrush generation were experiencing. And if you are interested in exploring Agard's poems even further, then I would recommend just having a quick Google gander just to get more context into his background and what he achieved in, in his poetic career. Today's episode is very much about putting the spotlight on Agard's problem solver. So, without further ado, this is Alternative Anthem by John Agard. Put the kettle on. Put the kettle on. It is the British answer to Armageddon. Never mind taxes rise. Never mind trains are late. One thing you can be sure of, and that's the kettle, mate. It's not whether you lose, it's not whether you win. It's whether or not you've plugged the kettle in. May the kettle ever hiss. May the kettle ever steam. It is the engine that drives our nation's dream. Long live the kettle that rules over us. May it be limescale free, and may it never rust. Sing it on the beaches. Sing it from the housetops. The sun may set on empire, but the kettle never stops. As you can see, this poem is very much about tea, and the pivotal role that that plays within the British society and culture itself is a very significant aspect of the British culture. And even though there is a global stereotype that the British drink tea and we have our tea time and biscuits, it's not quite that extreme. We don't sit down at a set time every day and munch on tea and biscuits, but we do just casually drink tea like anyone else would just have a cup of coffee. Now, I would like to start the exploration of this poem with the line in the first stanza that is, it is the British answer to Armageddon. Now, from my perspective, this very much links to one of George Orwell's uh, famous quotes, which is that tea is the English man's opium which does emphasize our addiction to tea. Now, I'd like to explore this line further by taking two examples um, from reality, basically, which are very, very contrasting examples. Now, the first example is war, specifically World War II, and the context that that has with tea. And then we'll be going into um, pop culture and more of a modern twist. So World War II had a huge uh, link to tea. Now, I'm sure 
many of you that did study World War II at school would not have explored what impact tea had on the war at all. But it did indeed have a significant impact in those times of adversity. And it's well documented that in the Second World War, specifically towards the later phases, Britain did order huge amounts of tea and kept them well hidden because it was quite obvious that if these tea supplies were essentially destroyed and obliterated, that the morale of of the Brits would would essentially be in the floor. And that goes to show that tea is such a visible symbol of national unity. Because in these dark times, something that may be seen as quite basic, because it is just a bag that you put into a mug and then you top it off with some boiling water, a wee bit of milk and drink it, that something so basic can have such a huge impact on a nation. But it does. It tied the nation together in these dark times. And I actually did a, a bit of a Google gander myself and came across an account of a soldier who emphasized the impact that tea has um, during times of war and on the front lines. And he said, when you're wet, cold, miserable and tired and you haven't slept for days, a brew seems to take all that away. The jokes will start and morale gets better. And this quote, I think, is is so significant in itself because it shows on one side of the spectrum, which in this sense would be war, how, how tea can be such an uplifter and a morale booster. But in other aspects of life, it can be a stress reliever, which I think nowadays plays more of a role in stress relieving due to the times we're in, whether that's the economic um, situation we're in at the moment, or just if you're having a shit time at work, a cup of tea can often just give you a kick up the arse and give you a, a better outlook on life, really. So the second, the second example that I wanted to explore in relation to the line, it is the British answer to Armageddon, is pop culture. Because people who will have watched or even just seen a couple of clips of shows such as Downton Abbey will probably not have noticed uh, a phrase which is more often used than not, um, and that's putting the kettle on. Now, this phrase is such a, a hallmark of setting the tone for calming conversations and close social interactions, not just with family, but also with friends and even people who you've never met before. I think tea is such a such a, a bridge between boundaries and borders to bring people together. Now, linked to the pop culture aspect of tea and the significance that it has within within the UK is the marketing aspect. Now, there are a few major players in the UK, and by major players, I mean tea breweries, which is probably an exaggeration to anyone who's not in the UK. You're probably thinking, what the hell is this guy on about talking about major players in the tea industry? But you can study the marketing language that a few of these major players use in their in their well branding and marketing for one, um, but also their slogans. So, 
my personal favorite tea, which I do drink every day, is Yorkshire tea. Now, this is mainly because that's what my parents brought me up with. And you get so... I don't know if it's if it's me specifically, but I have met a few people who are quite stubborn in the tea they drink as well. But once you get indoctrinated, it's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but once you get, I guess, taught by your parents, oh, this is the tea that we drink, then when you get to the stage of being a teenager and just getting older, you really don't want to have to drink another brand of tea. Now, sure, um, you're not going to spit it out or, or anything like it's not it's not like coriander, but there is definitely a strong preference for a particular type of tea that you would like to drink. Now, the slogan of Yorkshire tea is let's have a proper brew, which can be broken down into two different sections. The first section would be let's, because in my mind, this very much infers that you would be drinking tea with more than just yourself. So you'd be having it with, well, whether it's with your parents or your wife, your girlfriend, your friends. It's very much something to offer to people that are coming to your house or even in the office. If you say to someone, right, let's go have a cup of tea, that would infer that you're inviting them to go have a cup of tea, which is pretty obvious. But the, the second aspect of this slogan is proper brew which personally I would completely agree with because Yorkshire tea is the best tea going in the UK. Now, if any of you will go and try British tea after this, which honestly is not British tea because it's not actually brewed and sourced in the UK, I'll, I'll be brutally honest there. Um, I would very much say go try Yorkshire tea because that is the, the best one going, but PG Tips is, is, a, is a good second place alternative to try. Now, proper brew is pretty self-explanatory. It, it essentially says, this is the stuff, go have a drink and you won't regret it. Now, the second line that I would like to explore within the poem is in the third... Yep, it's in the third stanza, and it is, it is the engine that drives our nation's dream. And honestly, in this section of the poem, I just wanted to give you guys some statistics, just so you can really see how big tea drinking is in the UK. Now, the first statistic that I found was that Brits so British people, drink on average 2.7 cups of tea per day. So in this sense, let's just round it up to three because obviously populations are growing and times are stressful, times are hard, so people will be drinking more tea. And three cups of tea per day is quite significant. If you were to compare that to coffee, I think after three, if I had three cups of coffee a day, I'd be shaking pretty hard. Um, now, I think what a lot of people don't consider either when they're drinking tea is that it actually does have more well okay tea black tea does have more um, caffeine in it than a cup of coffee would now it obviously depends on exactly what quantity of coffee you're drinking here if you're drinking a pint of coffee then yeah that's gonna have a bit more caffeine in than a cup of tea will but in general um, black tea does have more caffeine in than coffee now, the second uh, statistic that I came across was from the BBC, who outlined the fact that more than 60 billion cups of tea 
are drunk per year in the UK. 60 billion. So that's about 900 cups for every woman, man and child in the UK per year, which is, in, is ridiculous. Like, I, 900 cups of tea. I think I would actually like to count how many cups of tea I drink in one year, but the effort of that would be a bit excessive. Like I can't be bothered to create an Excel spreadsheet and crunch some numbers of how many cups of tea I'm drinking because at the end of the day, it's no one really gives a shit, do they? I'd like to end episode two with how tea actually impacts my personal life and what it does for me. So I guess to start with, the two... The two words that would come to mind when I would think of tea are warmth and nostalgia. Because, for instance, warmth, when I think of that, I often think about drinking tea with my parents at home. Now, family are obviously a staple of life. So tea would often be one of the first things on offer when I would be visiting my grandparents uh, up north in the UK, up in Yorkshire. The first thing that they would often ask when we'd walk into their house is, who wants a cuppa? Which is an ordinary way of saying, who wants a cup of tea? And in, in contrast to that, so in contrast to the, the family side of things, I would say professionally, it's also very, very significant in my in my daily life, because if I'm stressed at work, or I guess also life in general, like you never know what's going on. The first thing that I'll do is either go for a run, that's also a good stress reliever, but that's very well known by everyone. But the the other thing that I would turn to if I really can't be bothered to go outside, if the weather's horrible, or if I just can't be bothered to go on a run, um, then I'll just whack the kettle on and brew, brew a cup of Yorkshire tea. And I can't really put my finger on it, but it just somehow brings brings me back to normality. Like you just you just calm down. I, I mean, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know how, but uh, tea is just it's great. And yeah, honestly, on that note, I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to episode two. Now, I would love to hear what tea actually does for you, whether it's a stress reliever or if it's something that you drink when you're ill or trying to prevent yourself from being ill. Do let me know over on my Instagram, which is s.truitt. That is S, obviously, you know how to spell that, but truitt is spelt T-R-E-W-H-I-T-T. So on that note, I'd like to wish you all a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and a good night. See you on the next one.